Hey everyone, it's Wade from Inverse Atasky and 1632 Atari Podcast. You know, sometimes I need a break from all things Atari. So when I'm not shortcutting podcast research, flubbing a podcast recording, or mangling a podcast production, or playing an Atari game, I take my mind off Atari and listen to the SNES podcast. Cut! His son, cut! How was that? Good. You are not too far off in regards to bungling a podcast from start to finish. NES podcast with your hosts Soul Blazer and George. Hello, everybody. Uh, good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending upon where in the world that you are when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, I am Greg, joined as always by George. Greg, who the heck is Gary Kitchen? <laughs> We're gonna. We're going to talk about him uh, in depth in this podcast, George. The better question is, why is his name on the game? <laughs> the better question is, why does it sound like he's a chef? Ah, uh, because kitchen's a very common last name. <laughs> is it? Yeah, if I had a high oh, school, okay. yeah, yeah, if I had a high school teacher like was named Kitchen. Uh, okay, I I've never but. heard of that last name before, but I, maybe it's just me. <laughs> Uh, but yes, we're covering a game that I have some history and some history and some nostalgia for. Uh, Gary Kitchen's Super Battle Tank War in the Gulf, uh, which came out for the Super NES, uh, Super NES and other systems uh, back in 1992. So, um, George, this is your first time playing this game, I think? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I would have heard uh, of Gary Kitchen if I, if I played this before. Well, Gary Kitchen's had a long career, which would... Uh, uh, which we'll uh, which we'll, which we'll get into here in a minute. I'm sure you played like one of his other games before in the past, but um, uh, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see if you if you have a list of games. I'd, I'm I'm willing to hear I do. them. Okay, I do. But yeah, but uh, but this game is a simulation uh, a, a simulation game that is name as the name implies uh, has you commanding a tank. Uh, in this case, like an M1 Abrams, Abrams uh, uh, tank uh, during the Gulf War uh, in, uh, back in 1991. Um, it's simulation. It's not. I don't think it's heavy simulation, but my definition of sim and your definition of sim may be two different things. As we talked about, as we, as, as, as we talked about before, with a different game, like before the flavor for recording. So, <laughs> uh, 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 to me, this game is sim, but it's not like pure sim. Uh, there are some action aspects to it. Is it like the Sims? I'm sorry, that was a bad joke. Uh, I'll, I'll no just fact- shut up for the next <laughs> rest of the podcast. No, it 
was a horrible joke, actually. And uh, and uh, actually, I think this game probably has as much action as actually this one, like The Sims does. So, can can I set myself on fire from trying to cook? You can That's get, my favorite well, part. You can get yourself exploded, exploded very easily, like in a real fire. Well, I I guess that's good enough. <laughs> Do, can I can I revive myself by getting into a violin battle with the with death? You can do that? In The Sims, you can. I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I forget which one. I don't know if it's all of them, but I know... I know some of them you could do that. It's... Yeah. It's it's really interesting. Well, I mean, I guess that's what happens when <laughs> you um, get yourself killed in The Sims. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, the objective in this game is not to get yourself killed. But instead, just like instead you want to do like a lot of killing yourself because um, uh, I, bet you have, I bet you have a tank and this is war. So uh, the objective is to shoot first and ask questions later. But That's how I like to do it in video <laughs> games, at least. <laughs> yes. Uh, this game was uh, this game's actually an approved version of the game which came out for the NES in 1990 that was called Biotech. Um, and Super Battle Tank was de- like developed by Imagineering and published by Absolute. Uh, got a worldwide release, came out first in the US in 1992, followed by Europe and Japan, like Japan in 1993. Um, and the game also got ported to the Genesis, the, say, the Sega Master Drive, uh, f- f- I like in the Game Boy. Wait, what did you just say? The Genesis, the, the uh, Genesis, the Game Gear, like in the uh, Game Boy. I could have sworn you said the Master Drive? <laughs> I may have said that by accident, so... That's why but. I asked, because I was really worried <laughs> that I, my ears were wrong. Well, that is the European name of the Genesis, right? Uh, No, it's the Mega Drive. Mega Drive, okay, yeah. All right, well... We, okay, don't, know no, don't, know about, we don't know anything <laughs> about Sega on uh, this podcast. Right. Yeah. yeah that's, so, from, uh, that's for my other podcast, <laughs> which I'm not going to shill, although I just yeah. brought it up, so why not, right? Right, Greg? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Master System Masterpieces. Okay, let's continue this podcast. So the reason this game's called Super the Super Bout Tank is because like it's I said, for it the isn't Super proof. NES. No, that's not the case. Uh, like you may think it is, because this game also came out of Genesis, so they have the same name. So uh, no, it's called Super because it's Super because it's an enhanced version like the NES game. It, and and then the the N sixty four version had a sixty four at the end. No, there was no 64 version of this game. Um, however, curiously enough, this game did get ported to port the Game Boy Advance 2003. And then on the Wii, it had crappy motion controls. <laughs> uh, they renamed the game for the GBA, though. Like, it's called Operation Armored Liberty, uh, like in that system. I don't know. I, that, that sounds like a worse title. It, uh, honestly, I, honestly, it sounds like a... And, and I know I'm comparing it to this title, which is weird but like that title just sounds so stereotypical you know I what i mean they had to do it because a different company released it so they had to change the name because of rights well that's so. understandable but i just mean that they 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 did it they sat in a conference for five minutes and they they, <laughs> they took the first thing they got how about right Oper- operation liberty or whatever it's just okay and this game was also popular enough that to get a sequel, Super Battle Tank 2, which came out of the system like two years later, two, 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 two years later, two years later, two years later, like 1994. Yes, and let's take two years until we cover that. 
<laughs> Actually, it's almost the same game. I mean, like, you know, I, I was going to talk about it here a little bit at the end, but there's really not many differences between them. Really? But yeah, I saw, I saw guys... a little bit of footage of, of that. I was like, oh, okay, it actually looks better. Yeah, the graphics... Yeah, the graphics. The graphics are the graphics are a little bit better. The story, the storyline, the missions are different. Uh, you're an M1A2 that time, as opposed to being like as opposed to being as opposed to being like an M1A1. But um, yeah, that was still that was still handled by yeah that was still that was still handled and developed by Gary Kitchen's Gary Kitchen's team like an absolute. So, um, so I did say like I did say like I did say that we're going to talk about Gary Kitchen some, but let's. So let's first talk about the companies involved because we haven't uh, talked about them like too much yet. Um, the, 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 uh, the game was developed by Imagineering, we, uh, Imagineering like where Gary Kitchen was working for at the time. Uh, they were based in New Jersey. Uh, they were the in-house studio of Absolute Entertainment. Um, mostly active during the late 80s, during 90s. Uh, their most famous games were like A Boy and His Blob. Uh, uh, this game, this game, the, the prequel Bow Tank, and the sequel to A Boy and His Blob. Uh, that was the rescue of Princess Blobat. Uh, they also uh, they also developed a bunch of a bunch of games that were published by other companies such as Acclaim, Atari, Activision, High Tech Expressions, Game Tech, and THQ. Oh God, High Tech Expressions. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, they handled they handled they handled they handled a lot of the game show games, and they also handled a lot of like the kid games, uh, Sesame Street, Barbie, the works. Yeah. So imagine. So, Imagineering was around from 1986 to 1992, uh, before they got folded in Absolute. Uh, Imagineering also did a bunch of games for a bunch of other systems too. I mean, I mean, they actually, I mean, they actually ported Commando to, to Commando like the 2600s, um, and Double Dragon and Kari Warriors to that system, like in the, uh, to that system, the Atari 700 like as well too. So. Oh, that's really interesting. That um. Yeah. The Double Dragon on 2600. Oh man. Yeah, that yeah, that's rough. <laughs> it's rough, but like, I mean, wh- there's not much you can do with that that system, no. you know. Yeah. They also uh, they also developed a bunch of the Simpsons games. Um, oh no. Uh, yeah. Like on the NES. Yes. Oh no. Uh, like also the Game Boy. Or, uh, I don't know much about the Game Boy ones. <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, they also did Swamp Thing like for the NES. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no! Uh, and Ghostbusters too, like, uh, like the same stem as, like as well. So. That's actually kind of an all right game. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, sorry, imagine Imagineering's track record is hit or miss. Some, uh, you know, some of the games are very good. So, um, uh, Absolute was developed by some of the same people who had formed Activision back in the day. Um, uh, Gary Kitchen founded the company in 1986, like along with his brother, like Dan Kitchen. Uh, 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 f- f- soon joined by uh, David Crane, uh, Alex DeMille, uh, John, uh, um, and John Van Ryzen, who all had history producing games for consoles and computers like the time period. Um, so, uh, 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 so, and uh, and uh, rumor has it that the reason that the reason they call their kid, the, the reason they call their company Absolute was because that Activision had purposely picked uh, Activision had wanted to go up a name that would come up first uh, before Atari back when they were formed, like they'd come up first, like in the searches. I was going to bring uh, that like up. The, yeah, like in the phone book. So when Absolute was formed, formed, formed they took a page of the same strategy. So, <laughs> right, I think uh, that was the same thing for Acclaim as well, right? Acclaim also. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 
So uh, yeah, so uh, absolute, so so absolute, so absolute lasted, to, absolute lasted straight to the third quarter of 1985, uh, like when they realized that the company was no longer with was no longer being profitable, they, profit, profitable, but profitable, profitable like was shut down. Um, and most people, and most people, most pe- people went over to a new company called Skyworks Technologies, which I think is still around today. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so absolute, as absolute, absolute, uh, absolute developed some games, but they were more of a publisher themselves. So, like I said, you know, uh, uh, they published all, of, uh, you know, they published all of Imagineering's games. They also published a bunch of other games for other, uh, for other, uh, for other companies, for other companies, for other companies, like as well, like as well, also. Um, so, yeah, not not the, not not the biggest or not, not the biggest or most or, or most well-known company, but they did publish some very good games. I've definitely heard of them before. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so but, uh, big yeah. enough. Yeah. <clears throat> so Gary Kitchen, I was going to talk about here like a little bit. Um, uh, like I said before, he has a very long history, like in the video game industry, and is still one of the few people who's actually so active in it uh, today. As a matter of fact, so he's not a uh, chef. No, are you sure? <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely sure. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, he, uh, he was born in 1955 in Washington D.C., and from an early age, uh, he was very interested. To, uh, 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 you know, very interested, like in my, uh, uh, very interested uh, in electronics. Uh, so his first his first road job his first road job I was still in college uh, was for a company called Wickstead Design Associates in New Jersey. Uh, they were they were they were they were well known back then. They were they were the uh, the think tank slash design group uh, for uh, for a bunch of companies uh, like Milton Bradley, uh, Mattel, Hasbro, that kind of stuff. They would actually develop the idea and the get and the games and toys there in house, and then actually like license license the rights to make that toy or whatever to do for like the company to publish to publish like in their own name uh so they're like so they're like primarily like like speaking primarily i think of them like being like a think tank um the bet the, the most well-known project that gary kitchen worked on there in 1979 was for one of the first and the most popular uh handheld hand, handheld pinball games the wildfire uh which i had as a kid and absolutely loved uh, have you heard of Wildfire before, George? I have not. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you look it up at like online. It was a very, like a very well done, like handheld, like handheld, like uh, the handheld like electronic pinball game. Um, very, very popular like, when I like, came out. So uh, he graduated from, uh, like graduated from Fairlane Fairlane Dixon University uh, in nineteen eighty, like with BS, like BS, in, um, like electrical engineering. And then he went on uh, to also, and then he went on to also help develop uh, the handheld, the handheld, the handheld, flip, handheld electronic game uh, Bank Shot, nineteen eighty-two, which was one of the first pool simulation games. Uh, and, he, and he both those games like did very, uh, both those games, they both those games played very well, so I helped to get him like a name for himself. Uh, so. Uh, when he was with that company, also he, uh, the uh, company also he also. Uh, 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 you know, like Wickstead, he started to, uh, he started to, they started to, he started to design games for both the 2600, uh, like also for the Commodore, the, you know, the Commodore 64. Uh, those early games were, uh, Space Jockey, Donkey Kong, uh, the arcade port, Keystone Capers, uh, and Pressure Cooker for the 2600. Uh, and also the, uh, uh, like, and also, like, several games from the C64, like, as well, uh, which he had a hand in helping with. He helped David Crane, for example, like, and then Ghostbusters, like, the, um, uh, 
1964. So, uh, and then he went on to 1986, uh, but he joined Absolute, uh, but he had to found a company. And he was there for a long time, flight to 95, uh, when he went, but he left them to, uh, to join his, uh, to do his longtime friend and business partner, like David Crane, his Skyworks, uh, Skyworks. Um, and then like Kitchen and Crane, they both sold their interest in Skyworks 2007. They coming in 2009. And then after that, for three years, he was the vice president of game publishing for Viacom Media Networks. Um, he also did some, um, um, uh, primarily working on mobile games like of them. Um, and since, like, I think like the company in 2012, uh, this is interesting. Uh, he is now an independent technical expert in legal matters concerning video games and uh, video games, video games, video games and mobile app design, flight design development, patent infringement, uh, copyright, copyright infringement, general software development, video game industry history, and business issues. Damn, we need more people um, like that. Yeah. Well, well, in that, so in that role, he's so in that role. He's been employed by and done work for such high, um, you know, such big companies such as like Nintendo, Sony, and Ubisoft. Right. So yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting job to get for himself now. So, but uh, uh, so yeah, list of games. I mentioned his early games. Uh, he also worked on a, um, uh, guys worked on like the NES, like Stealth ATF, A Boy in His Blob, Destination Earth Star, uh, several of the Simpsons games. With the Super NES, he worked on with the Super NES that he worked at Home Alone, uh, both the Super Battle Tank games. Uh, then the uh, then also like several like mobile games. Uh, I never heard of most of these: uh, 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 arcade hoops, basketball, match three poker, skyscrapers, um, uh, and so on. Uh, his last actual game, two thousand. Yeah, well, well, I mean, he's well, his last game was two thousand eleven, but you know, he's still technically still in the business today. They, uh, they um. Uh, I mean, like he may not be making games anymore, but he's still like actually like involved with the industry, um, and he's on the board of advisors, like the uh, board of advisors, like the uh, board of advisors, uh, like the National Video Game Museum, like in Texas. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So altogether, so it's like altogether, his like altogether, his uh, uh, his actual game list, his actual game list, like about like two, um, uh, like about twenty five games. Hmm. Okay. And there's not too many guys who have a, who have a history, who like history like as long, like as long as diversified like as he did. But, but by this point, but by this point in the company, like an absolute, when this game came out, um, even though his name was on the game, and I'm not really quite sure why they felt the name to. I, I, I guess they felt the name, the need to put his, to, to, the, the need to put his name on the game to help give some recognition, uh, like in the same way that you know Sid Meier's Sid Meier's name still appears on games that he's worked on like these days. Uh, but like Sid Meier, he didn't actually do any programming or actual work on the game itself. Like he was the actual, just like he was the actual like um, uh, producer, overseer of the project. He's like he's the one who came up with the, the he's the one who came uh, who came up with the game idea. He oversee uh, um, uh, he, he drew up the initial design for like he oversaw the team that actually programmed it. Because you know, like yeah, it's just like Sid, he doesn't actually do uh, um, um um, he, uh, left, um, he didn't actually like, do any work like in the game itself. Well, uh, well, well. Like I said, the design role, of course, that is. Like I just he put said. his name on so, the game. That's the work he did. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well. Well, no. Um, um, well, no. Uh, it wasn't just that. Like he did come up with a design for it. So, but uh, um, but yeah, the but yeah, the idea for the game pretty much 
pretty much kind of wrote itself. I mean, like you know, there already been several. Uh, there already been. Uh, I mean, there already been several several PC games that come out. Uh, since the Gulf War, they kind of like you know recreated the um, uh, they recreated the war and some of the stuff you're doing in the like doing the war and whatnot. So like you know actually, so like so creating so creating a tank simulation game for the system kind of uh, um, you know like the consoles because consoles kind of you know kind of see um it kind of seemed like a no brainer and uh, um um and the game did review very well and sold very well like when it came out. Uh, hence the fact it got a sequel. So, but the. Uh, so gameplay itself, uh, you're just uh, as the name implies, you're actually you're actually you're actually like controlling a tank, um, and you're just trying to, and you get eight missions in the game total, and you're given objective, so you start a mission, and then you actually like command the tank. You can use the control pad, um, you know, like the keys, move the tank around, and shoot your guns and weapons, weapons and whatnot, and, and you're just trying to destroy. Your, um, and, you know, and you're just trying to achieve objectives, like uh, achieve objectives, like maybe you can, like like lose our tanks. Well, you don't use the D-pad to move your tank around. So you use it to to move the turret, but the to move the gun, whole yes. tank, you use the shoulder buttons. And there's yes. a there's a, um, a speed increase and a speed uh, decrease, two different right. buttons. Yeah, yep. And you can also like change the map mode too if you want to slicing. Uh, uh, so you can also like you know look around, look around, uh, look around the map and see where objective is, like where you need to like head to. Very very handy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah 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 because in the desert there's no landmarks to help. So <laughs> it was uh, really interesting when I realized that the map like wraps, so mm-hmm, you can yeah. go from south to all the way north, and it was yeah. it was weird. There's limitations. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, um, you would think maybe they would like put a border or something, but no, you just, um, you know, eventually when you go all the way down South Kuwait, you just end up in North Kuwait. It's a weird <laughs> technology. This, this game was ahead of its time. It, it's going to predict the, the future of warfare when soldiers are trying to leave and they're still in the battlefield. They'll just still be in the battlefield anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I do want to mention a little bit about the M1A1 itself here, so you can kind of like you know compare how the how the tank actually is versus like how it's used in the game, because there are some differences. And that's what I said earlier. This game is mostly simulation, but they did make some, so but they did make some allowances like for gameplay. Um, and I'm sure also due to hardware limitation as well. Oh yeah, sure, exactly. So, uh, the M1A1 came in service uh, back in 1979. Uh, the, uh, 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 the main weapons, the main weapons the tank has is your, uh, like, like, 105 millimeter, uh, main gun. Um, and you also have, so most of the tanks, like, also had, uh, a 50 caliber, like, M2HB heavy machine gun and two 7.62 millimeter, like, letter machine guns. Um, so, in this game, you have the, you have the main tank, the main tank gun that you can use, uh, but the machine guns were condensed like just like one head machine gun to make life easier for you. Uh, 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 on road, uh, these things go for like on road. These things are pretty fast. They can go up to forty five miles per hour. Yeah, that's uh, pretty good for a tank. Yeah, well, off road, uh, well, off road, thirty miles per hour. So that's not like too bad either. So, no, no. Um, the tank requires a crew of four to command. There's the commander slash machine gunner. Uh, who's actually like in charge of the operations, making sure the tank does what it needs to do. He also operates the machine guns. Uh, there's the main gunner, who's the like, responsible for actually like uh, firing the main gun. There's the loader, who's responsible for firing 
like talking about actually like you know prepping the shells. Uh, these are uh, these are by the way like depleted like depleted uranium shells that the tank uses, uh, which is a very um, which is a very like potent like potent powerful powerful warhead that's designed to be able to be able to punch through uh, punch through enemy armor like from a couple miles out. Um, and then there's also the driver, who's actually who's, who's actually job, but he's actually like drive the tank. So obviously they can, so obviously they combined all four all four crew functions uh, crew functions like the one person like this game. So um, like they do with a lot of video games, even today. Yeah, yep. they do that. It's, it's like um, uh, I think one of them is like um, Battlefield or whatever. It's like oh, I'm just gonna <laughs> yep. hop in the tank. All right, now I'm doing all the <laughs> controls, and it's like. Yeah, if one person was trying to control all parts of the tank, man, right. that'd be insane. Well, the main so the main reason they did that, I think, in this game was because of the hardware limitations, like you said before. Because well, I don't uh, think it's micro- because of hardware limitations. I think it's just to make the game easier. Well, partly, but then like, but but as I was saying, Microprose made a uh, uh, made a war in the Gulf sim- tank simulator to a game for the PC around the same time, and you actually and you actually sh- and you actually switched between every like station in the tank like in that game. Oh wow! Uh, There's yeah. um, there there are some games out there that um have that simplicity of control where, <laughs> like you know, you're one person doing everything, but. Inside your tank is a, a full crew, and your crew can actually uh, become injured or actually die. And uh, <laughs> then you have other crew members like trying to take on other ro- ro- roles and everything, and right. it makes it harder. You know, your your tank might not go as fast, or you're not you might not be able to reload as quickly, stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I feel like that might be the best of both worlds there, where you don't have to keep swapping over to another character but you also have that like quote-unquote simulation aspect of having a full crew right they also made the m1 yeah they also made the m1a1 tank in this game a lot harder than it is in real life because in the game you can take six direct hits slave your tank blows up uh whereas in real life it couldn't take that many hits (laughs) how many Uh, can can those tanks take like it depends upon (laughs) Well, it depends upon well, it depends upon what they're facing. Um, you know, obviously the U.S. government, we have the money and resources to be able to spend on to be able to spend on pouring millions of dollars like, into R and D, and it shows that it, and it shows like this tank. I mean, this tank was in development like for a good like seven years uh, before it actually like was approved for production, and they're not cheap to produce either. Um, um, you know. Uh, uh, the M1A1 cost about six point two million dollars to build by each one. So, uh, because of that, like because of that, they're very they're going to be the M1A1 and its sequel, the M1A2, which came to service like nineties, uh, um, which came to service like uh, which came to service service several years later, the you know, ninety six, and still used today. Uh, because right. of that, they're very they're, they're very tough tanks. They're considered to be probably the best uh, tanks in the world, like right now. Um, at least on par of some of the other, like you know, like uh, the German, the German Leopard two, and like the Russian, the Russian T ninety. But um, in the Gulf War, uh, they didn't take that much damage. I mean, like you know, there were some losses, but a lot, of, but, a lot of, but a lot, of, but most of those losses were due to either accidents uh, or friendly fire, which had happened a few times, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. um, but the main opposition they were facing were like you know, like lower grade, older, older Russian, uh, Russian made T sixties and T seventies. Uh, and the M1A1 has a, 
not only has like a long range, but the tank's also but the tank's also designed, and the game simulates this very well. The tank's also designed to be able to both to move and shoot accurately at the same time, which is something that other tanks really couldn't do. You either could move or you could shoot, but you couldn't do both at the same time. So um, in this game, mobility is key because you need to, uh, because you need to stay on the move a lot uh, to be able to like avoid it, uh, avoid any fire coming at you and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, and, and to kind of relate a point to what you mentioned earlier, George, uh, one thing a gas is, uh, uh, gives the, uh, it gives the tank an operational, an operational range of 200, like, like 200, and 265 miles. So, hmm. uh, so let's, like, let's, let's, yeah, you, let's, yeah, you can imagine you're driving like a, uh, you're driving like a long distance. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so, yeah, so, um, I mentioned all that to kind of mention some of the, like, some of the sacrifices, the sacrifices that they made as far as that actually, as, as far as, as far as that went in this game for, like, gameplay reasons. So, and, and, and so most of those things, most of those things I can agree with. Uh, the game still feels, the, 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 the game, the game, at least to me, I think, does a very fine job of striving, striving the line between, like, simulation, like, uh, 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 simulation gameplay because it does feel like you're commanding a tank. But it doesn't like bog you down and like you know the constant the, the the countless screens of like stats and data or having to switch stations or that kind of stuff. Uh, it does have a very particularly 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 when you get particularly when you when you get to like take a combat. It does have a very action feel to it. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah. So when you start the game, uh, the opening the opening briefing screen is the it's like it's a digitized picture. Very very good graphic. Uh, like it's a very, uh, um, you know, like a picture of the actual like uh, commander of the U.S. forces, like actually showing, like showing on the map, like the pointer, like where you're going to, and that kind of stuff. Uh, very, very good graphics, like the Super NES, like right there. Yeah, it uh, it, the, uh, it it certainly paints a picture. Yes. Well, it's a digitized picture. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the actual game graphics themselves are pretty good. I mean, like, you know, they're typical. They're typical early Super NES graphics. So, like, so, like, so, as you mentioned earlier, or the, as you mentioned earlier, George, they would be superseded by later games. Uh, but they get the right. job done. Um, like, you know, there is some. I mean, you're in a desert for the most part, so like the the car choices are limited. But there's some good choice of colors. Um, the actual, the actual, the actual display panel. Uh, looks easy enough to read, I think. It, it, like, it looks nice and functional. Um, so the explosions are very nice. Yeah, they they're, they go boom, and they <laughs> light up the area, and they're pretty. Um, oh man, those enemy tanks—they like to run away. They do, yeah. So, uh, just like in real life, uh, the M1A1s were severely out, like severely outnumbered, uh, like in the Gulf War. Uh, Iraq had many, many more tanks in, like, in the area of, in the area like the coalition forces did. So the M1A1 was always like, like was, always, was always outgunned, like outnumbered. It had to use its mobility and superior firepower to be able to like, uh, you know, to inflict its damage. And I think this game does a pretty good job simulating that. Yeah, yeah, certainly a, a bunch of enemies. <laughs> um. So uh, there's not too much. There's not too much to talk about, like in terms of music. Um, I mean, I mean, you have the brief music, the victory music, the defeat music, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it's fine. It sounds motoryist. So um, sound effects, though, I think are very good. Uh, they work. <laughs> I, I I I didn't find myself 
uh, sitting there and be like, wow, that's a really good explosion noise, or hey, that <laughs> helicopter sound, that helicopter sound sounded good, and it didn't annoy me at all. The helicopter sound actually was slightly annoying. <laughs> was it just me? Uh, uh, it's a little bit off, sure. <laughs> uh, but there is stereo sound used in this game to good effect. Did you notice that? No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, was I playing it? I might have been playing a mono for some reason. Yep. Yeah, for example, if a helicopter yeah, for example, a helicopter flies it flies across from left to right, you actually hear it going from you actually hear it you actually hear you actually hear it going from, you actually hear it going like going from left channel to the right channel. Huh. No, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. So you can use that. So sound effects can help you a little bit a little bit a little bit a little, little bit in getting guesstimate as to where the enemy is and how far off they are. That's pretty cool. Um yeah. it's nice to see uh, an early game like that uh use sound like that. I mean I know uh, modern games now, like, really are really into the sound, and now we have all this virtualization of different uh, channels and everything, so you don't even have to, wait, like, get a specific sort of setup to, to hear any of that. Um, right. Because, like, you know, sound is a huge part of of games. and uh, no, Oh, yeah, definitely. Adding uh, spatial awareness in a game like this, that's that's pretty cool. So we talked about the controls a little bit like already, like how you have to use the L and R buttons to actually turn the tank left or right. They're trying to simulate the rudder control style that the tanks use that the tanks use real life to actually like control. Um, Hey, that's why they call it tank controls. I'm looking at you, Resident Evil. uh, (laughs) Um, So um, yeah, I think they made a good choice with that. Uh, the control pad, the control pad, the control pad, like it's, like it's used to move your weapon. You can change between your turret gun and the machine gun, uh, like the select button. Um, and then the main buttons can turn your tank left or right and speed it, and speed it up or down. It takes a bit to get used to controls, but once you get the hang of it, that's pretty good, I thought. Honestly, yeah, I agree. Honestly, the tank controls, haha, um, the tank <laughs> controls are, are pretty good, um, a lot of modern games like to just map the the movement to the thumbstick, and it's right. like, no, that's that's terrible. Why would you do that? So, using the shoulder buttons to turn around, and using um, two different buttons for increasing and decreasing speed, that's that's pretty cool and feels much better than using a thumbstick, like I said. And on yes. on top of that, um, it feels nice for aiming as well. The only problem I have is, and, I, and and maybe it's accurate to how tanks work. I don't know, but um, uh, I had to get used to the the inverted Y axis because oh yes, down yeah, is, yeah. down is uh, down is up and up is down. And you know I'm only used to that for planes because that makes sense to me. Because <laughs> I don't know. I guess I know about planes, but I don't know about tanks. So it 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 felt. It, you know you know what it was. It felt more like a cursor than a tank turret to me. Did you have that feeling? Because you um, you have that um, you have that like cursor. I, I for lack of a better name, you have you have a the the cursor, which is the uh, reticle. Uh, you know, right. basically for aiming the the turret or the the barrel, whatever you want to call it. And um, honestly, it felt more like a cursor to me. So that I think that's why the inverted axis felt just really odd to me 
Yeah, I'm actually not sure if tanks use an inverted access or, or not. I do know that the actual targeting system in tanks is a lot more complicated than it is here, obviously. So uh, they're trying to find some way to simplify it. And I kind of think that the cursor-like movement uh, movement was probably the best compromise, compromise that the designers felt they could make with it. Yeah, but um, other than that, yeah, everything was pretty good. Um... And you need to master the, yeah, and you really need to master the controls too, because later on in the game, when it gets much harder, you need to be able to both turn, like turn and move at the same time, uh, because that's going to become critical like your survival. Certainly, yeah. Um, I think even the um, using the select button to change your um, to change weapons. your weapons yeah. and everything was was a nice choice too. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I feel like if, if if it was some other developers. They probably like make it start or something for some weird reason. <laughs> I I feel like they might they they could have done a better job with the map though. I mean like the map's fine. The map does what it does, and it does yeah. it well enough. But I feel like maybe you could have made it like a map slash pause menu situation. So like maybe you could have assigned B to something. Like maybe like B could have been like a a shortcut for like the smoke instead of having to select it. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Personally, I agree with you. I also, I also think I know why they chose to do that because, again, they're trying to simulate. Like I said, like, like, like I said before, these tanks actually have a crew of four. I think, right. and and I think they want. To, so I think they want to try to simulate all four of these things happening at the same time, like it would be in a real tank, and keep it like real time because they're trying to put you, put you like under the gun, like per se. How about the map, um, Greg? What kind of future technology is that? Is that map where it shows where you are and the enemies are? Um, well, uh, there was, uh, it was, it, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was fairly accurate because of the, because of the, because of the scouting, um, you know, during the war, because this, you know, we had, we had, we had in-depth intelligence thanks to spy planes and satellites and whatnot as to where the, as where the, like where the enemy positions were. And it's also important to keep in mind that the ground war phase, the Gulf War was very short, it was, uh, very short, it was just a hundred hours. That's all it took. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, it's all it took to force to force the collapse of most of the Iraqi army and, and like at the surrender. And it's all and the, and the whole game takes to take takes place to takes place during that same hundred hours too. So, I mean, I think it's pretty pretty safe to assume that the map showing where the enemies still are because because in most three days have passed and that's it. I'll so, be honest, I don't know much about the Gulf War. Yeah, it's actually a pretty interesting conflict to look into because it's like it was like a perfect, uh, perfect, a perfect execution in some ways of like a like, like a modern warfare, uh, being able like being able to use an outgunned but superior fighting force in the coalition's uh, forces, particularly um, particularly U.S. forces, and attacking and destroying a much larger but much but much less inferior trained and inferior weapon, uh, uh, um, like equipped to the equipped Iraqi army because the ground troops were obviously very important but it was the tanks that were the spear line the tanks are the first ones to go in uh, because they're the ones who had to clear the way of like the ground troops to actually to actually move in and move like move in move and take their objectives so speed uh, in real life and also in this game is critical because you're trying to get your stuff as fast as possible and you know the fact that and you know again like I said 100 hours uh, the, um, you know the whole game takes place in a very very short short period of time so you know, I'm okay with the map showing that, the, the showing that stuff because it's like 
they're probably yeah yeah they're probably still there or you can also just say like spy satellites or whatever so i was just trying to make a joke <laughs> well yeah I, but um you know it was a good joke but i but, oh thanks greg thank you but, but yeah but there was also like a real reason for it too so i was just trying to like point that out but uh, um yeah and like you know um uh and and you learned pretty quickly george i'm pretty i'm sure the differences the differences the differences between your turret and gun the gun like gun which ones used like which targets right oh yeah oh yeah I mean, with experience of games and or <laughs> games and tanks, tanks in games. <laughs> yeah, let's let's play some games in this tank, boys. Um, no, uh, with experience with tanks in, in games, I already had a good understanding of the weapons and everything. You know, this one yeah. is for like tanks and this one's more suited for uh, helicopters. And, you know, this one's you, more for, yeah. you know, infantry or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you actually, yeah, you actually, you actually can use the main gun against helicopters if they're low enough. Oh, but it's, it's a lot really easier. hard. Yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot easier like to use the gun. <laughs> right. I actually, um, I, I, I wound up using the, um, the uh, machine gun turret for those helicopters. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. That's the that's the that's the preferred way to do it. <laughs> well, you you have the um the other one. I for well, I forget what it is, but there there's one that. Uh, literally just locks on and and hits it hmm well you're so you're also facing like scud launchers just like in the game too so um yeah i just blasted that like, with the, the the main uh the main turret yeah yeah they're fairly easy but uh, oh yeah they don't really do anything to you as far as i've seen <laughs> you just roll right. up to them and you could have a conversation if you wanted <laughs> well because they're aimed at yeah, because they're aimed to attack other targets. They're not aimed to attack you. So, right, right. Uh, that's why you know. That's why you can sit there and have a conversation. Uh, but oftentimes, but, but oftentimes in a mission, when your objectives, so many objectives like will be to take out like X number like sky launchers. Right. Yeah, and later on in the game, uh, the maps get, and later on in the game, the maps get bigger, and you also have to like drive for drive for the distances. So they also like open up what to call like for human bases. We actually like uh, I mean. Uh, it's where we go to the base, uh, we get like resupplied, right? And I think you get repaired there too. I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh that's a good question because I always found myself either, e- either, uh, <laughs> ugh, I don't know what that was, either uh, completing the mission or dying. So, dying, just getting destroyed, dismantled. I don't know, whatever it is. Losing. Yeah, the game gets tough like very early, I think. Yeah, I mean, it that- does. <laughs> It, also, I I hate to be honest here, but it also gets very tedious too. Um, I could see that a little bit. You know, like you know, I wouldn't call it tedious because I enjoy games. Because I enjoy games this time. Oh, I like simulation um, games too, but, but this game just—I don't know—it just got boring for me. Well, I, well, yeah, I'm not gonna understand that because, of course, um, I mean, like. I mean, they they do a good job recreating uh, uh, recreating what the tanks are actually doing in the war, but what the but what they're doing in the war was like what well well war in real life is like is tedious. So um, I kind of think maybe they pushed the simulation line a little bit too far with that because um, because because pretty much pretty much you're doing the same things in each mission. It's just like you're doing like more of those things. Uh, right. but, um, you know, like you know, like but like for example, mission one, you just have to go in like go in flames for like three tanks. Um, mission two, you have to you have to. 
Mission two, you have to take out five tanks and five tanks like a scud launcher. Uh, mission three, you have to destroy uh, two tanks, four helicopters, and scud launcher. I, I mean, you're just doing the same things over and over again. You're doing like more of those things. So um, I definitely so you know. I don't agree with that, but I just certainly understand how somebody can say the game is tedious as you go through the game. But uh, the main complaint I would have, the, the main, one of the main complaints I would have, the main complaints I would have with this game is the difficulties. The difficulty spike is a little bit unnatural. I think. I think the game gets yeah. a little, little bit too hard, a little bit too early, especially like eight missions. But because uh, as a kid, as a kid, as a kid, I could never get past mission five uh, because the game. It's pretty pretty darn tough at that point. <laughs> oh, it, it certainly does. It it ramps up so quickly, and it just I I wish it didn't honestly. But I guess that's yeah, that's like, what you know, adds time to the game is the difficulty. Right. Of course, yes. But uh, it, w- it would have been nice also, like they could have, like you know programmed in a little bit more, um, a little bit more additional units. Uh, for example, like maybe like actually like seeing some of your some of your allies around you, so you don't like I feel you know. Like, like I feel like the only American unit like the whole hundred miles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because you feel, yeah, because you feel, because you feel very alone and outgunned out there. <laughs> but you could be the ultimate war hero after you're done. <laughs> uh, well, again, I, well, again, the designers made a choice to their made a choice in that in that in that factor to go more toward gameplay, but. Um, yeah, I mean they mentioned they mentioned Allied forces uh, like in your briefings, but you never see anybody. <laughs> right. Uh, There's so, they're but. just like one mile outside of the border that you have. That's what it is, Greg. Because when you yeah, try prob- to get close enough, they just say, "Poof, nope, you're on the other side now." <laughs> uh, so, but uh, yeah, because in many ways, the Gulf War was called the first like. The first video game wars. Like, I kind of think it's kind of like a, a, a fitting that you're actually commanding a tank in a video game simulation, like of the conflict. So there's a kind of poetic, poetic justice to that. I guess. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so uh, um, yeah, uh, I, 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 w- I would say, however, that I wish the missions. Th- I wouldn't say it's tedious. I think the missions. I wish the missions had a bit more diversity to them. I mean, like you know, it, yeah, a lot of them are the, like the same thing. Go destroy right. these things, and then you're you're a cool guy, and you win. <laughs> yeah. Yay! You know, maybe you had like one mission, like one mission, one mission, like we had to go scouting, or another mission we had to like, had to, like rush to the aid, like like an attack unit, like how to defend them, but. You know, just you know, just a little bit like a variety of the missions that could have been nice. Because How sure about those a mission war, so. where you become friends with the enemy, and then you have a tea party? <laughs> well, there were reports of hundreds of soldiers surrendering, surrendering at once, like in mass to a tank. So I guess <laughs> there you go. You can have the tea party in the tank. Yeah, because watch those morale. controls. No, don't push that. That shoots the gun. Whoosh. <laughs> Yeah, because morale, morale, with, morale of many parts of the Iraqi army was not very good. So, um, yeah, uh, you, you, so like, but you certainly could have like you know like end uh, mass renderings like that. That'd be kind of cool. But but uh, yeah, so um, uh, as a simulation, I think the game did that. Uh, I mean, I think the game strikes a pretty good balance in the end. It was like the end, like the end between simulation and the gameplay, especially for the like, early Super NES game. Right. Do you do you think it would be too much? Do you think it would take too many resources to um, add in a system where uh, not just the the tank, just as a whole, 
gets damaged, but different systems take damage, like, you know, the treads and this and that, mm-hmm. and, you know, the barrel. Well, again, the PC, well, again, the PC simulation games have that. Right. Uh, I think they... Um, I think I think they chose to leave that out here because of simplicity, re- uh, 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 simplicity reasons and also because of resources. So, um, you know, I'm sure uh, you know I'm sure later games could handle that. But could the Super NES have handled that like this game? Yeah, probably. But you know, the programmers just consciously chose not to go that direction for because it was kind um, of like a, a shooting gallery on wheels. You know what I mean? <laughs> it does have that. Yeah, it does have that feel and inflate some parts. Um, but they. Uh, but if, yeah, but again, the reports, the reports, the, the reports about that actually happening, that they happening in the war. So it's like, um, uh, so like again, there, like again, the programmers, were, the programmers were trying to find, like we're trying to, like we're trying to strike that very, that, that very difficult balance between like you know gameplay and you know gameplay and sim. So right, um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if there is a right answer to that question because because it all depends upon the mindset that people are programming it. You know, what uh, what aspects what aspects that they want to emphasize like over others? Right. Uh, because you only had because you only had so much memory and car space to work with. So, um, I think the I think that um, I, I I like most decisions they made in this game. Uh, like I said before, diversity of missions and being able to have the the tank take damage in parts as opposed to just like. Six hits and you're dead. Uh, well, uh, 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 it certainly been like better real secure system, but um, yeah, yeah, but what, yeah, but what it is, it's fine. So yeah, it does what it does. And uh, this game is popular enough, like I said, to spawn a sequel a couple years later. A couple years later, a couple years later, the Super Battle Two. Uh, some of those, some of those complaints, some of those complaints, they did address in that game. I didn't, uh, I don't, I, I don't have the history of that game as did this as it was as did this one, but I do know that game. Um, I believe that game. You, t- I believe that game. You, you I believe that game. You, like, you take damage in parts. Um, okay. Uh, like compared, to, like compared to this game, uh, that game takes place in a fictional in a fictional conflict. Uh, they were going back to the Gulf to deal with Iraq again, which would happen in real life eventually. But uh, eventually, but they didn't know that back then. So, um, you're in what? Yeah, you're in the you're in the better version, the better version of the tank, the M1A2 that time. So, you know, a little bit faster, a little bit tougher, like a little bit heavy, uh, firepower is a bit heavier, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, missions. Uh, the actual the, the, the basic gameplay is essentially the same. Um, the graphics and the, the graphics sound effects are, are, are um, uh, improved some. So, um, if you enjoy this game, uh, you know, go play the sequel because it's like more of the same. Spoilers. I I didn't really. <laughs> uh, the sequel is probably better. The sequel is probably the sequel is pro- probably better than this game. I just I, I just just haven't spent. You know, like I said, I I I just I just, just don't have the history, the history like of that game. So I can't really. I'm not prepared to offer a qualified opinion on that subject at this point. I I, I found this game more interesting than fun. Uh, how so? Um, because it was interesting to see how uh, a simulation game would be on the SNES, especially like a tank simulation. And mm-hmm. I wanted to see how all the systems worked and everything. And it, it's, you know, for what it is, it's pretty in-depth you know relative right. to what they were able to do and whatnot but sure. like like i said i just didn't find it that fun it was kind of just tedious i did take a look at some of the other ports of the game uh i saw the, the genesis version game. and it was it was pretty cool 
Genesis, yeah, Genesis version plays almost the exact same Super NES. Right. Uh, actually, the Game Boy and Game Gear versions still play the same too, despite the fact that they're on new. I mean, despite the you know, despite the required scale down to the graphics, the graphics that you know, the graphics, the game screen size, right? Which is pretty impressive, like all things considered. I think. Yeah, I, I didn't take a look at those, but I I might have to. Yeah. And you know, about tank and about tank and the NES, I never played, but I imagine, but I imagine this game, the, I imagine this game is just an improved version of that. Yeah, I saw I saw some screenshots of that, and I was like, oh, I didn't know, and that looks pretty yeah, the interesting. Yeah, graphics are very good in that game. Yeah, yeah. But so, and there really were not too many tank games available in Super NES. So no, I, I don't, I, I can't even think of anything any right now. Uh there were some other games that there were some other games that had you in tanks a part of the game, but the whole game, but the whole game wasn't the whole game wasn't focused or focused that focused around tank combat like, uh, uh, like this one in the sequel is right. So. But uh, uh, so yeah, like it's a very unique game. Like if you enjoy tank games, if you enjoy simulation games, I think this game's like worth checking out. Um, you know, I like you know I'm sorry that you, uh, I, I like, you know I'm sorry that you didn't have like too much fun with it, but um, I think it's a very interesting game at least to look at uh, for some of the uh, for some of the um, for some of the things they tried, like whatnot. Certainly, like like I said, uh, what what I saw was was interesting, and I wanted to see how everything was done and and you know honestly like a lot of it was done pretty well the just the problem was the gameplay because it just gets so tedious and it's basically the same thing over and over again but with more and more enemies right oh i do have here a little bit of information like uh, i look um uh um, i forgot i did write down a little i um you did write down a little bit a little bit more information here about the sequel some of the things they add to it and maybe this is some of the things that you've um you know and some of the stuff actually it actually actually does actually does address some of the complaints you're talking about there george um the game is bigger the 16 missions um you're able uh uh, besides uh, besides besides the infantry and scud and tanks and scud scud carriers that the original game had you also like also get to attack uh apcs and jeeps uh like that one as well uh you you also uh you also you also like the tank in real life uh have smoke uh they have smoke screen available that you can use uh, like every now and then uh to make yourself like invisible to enemy radar well that was the first game uh it was, but it was, but it's done a lot better, like in the sequel, because right. you be, be, because you need to be, because it works better, because it works better than that one. Uh, you can also summon airstrikes, uh, 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 like that game to attack to, 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 to attack difficult targets for you. That's cool. Uh, there are two secrets in, in this game uh, that are, um, you know, um, you know things you can do uh, to. To give you a small edge, and I'm can you sure play as Bob, Gary Kitchen? Should... No, <laughs> dang. I probably should have mentioned this to you earlier, George. Sorry about that, but they, um, uh, there's a way to be able to move around the tank. Uh, sorry, there's a way to make your tank move around, like move around the uh, you, you move around the game, you know, the game world faster. Uh, you can switch your, um, but you may figure this out because it's not really that much of a secret. Uh, just run the tank in map mode instead. Uh, your tank moves faster. Uh, in terms of actual going across the map from point A to point B, like in the map mode is uh, the map mode as opposed to being like in the um, uh, the first person view mode. I actually, uh, I actually figured that out, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. also notice that they slow you down when you're near an enemy, which is good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is good. 
Uh, you know what? Uh, There's one thing I didn't try, but have you tried ramming some of the tanks? Can you do that? No, I never. No, I've never tried that. I suspect it doesn't do any damage. Mm, okay. And probably, and it probably, it's, it's probably not recommended. <laughs> probably not. Probably shoot you much easier. Right. Uh, there's uh, there there's there's a trick in the game you can do though to uh, 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 to make it a bit easier to use your machine gun though. Um, it, uh, uh, but if you notice your like you notice your machine gun shells are uh, are hitting the like hitting the enemy. Uh, like the flames of the crosshairs like flashing red to let you, you indicate uh you, you, you indicate the charge the, the charge of the machine gun actually are hitting them pause the game uh due to a bug in the game uh and this happens in other games too by the way uh uh if the object's red which means taking damage when you pause the game the uh, uh the the, the damage to the to the damage the damage the, the damage would like will keep going on oh so it's mega man yep <laughs> Exactly. So, man, that's a but, that's a crazy way to cheat the system, right there. Yeah, only yeah, yeah only works machine gun though. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, small little bug they didn't catch, <laughs> but you know, yeah, it happens. So, um, so anyway, I, yeah, I pretty much have already said my final thoughts like, on this game. Um, uh, does it hold up today? Um, yeah, kind of. It, it depends on who you are. Yeah, I mean it's a bit slow. It's a bit clunky in some places. I think um, there are better. There, there, there obviously are better. There obviously are better tank simulator uh, your games that are out there uh, nowadays. Um, but from what it is, but from what it is in the system, the system that's on, um, it's pretty good. I, th- I think. Right. Um, you know whether or not you whether or not you enjoy it. Like I said, depends upon you. Know, depends upon what you enjoy. Like you know, you you, you like tanks, you like simulation games. Uh, by all, uh, uh, by all aspects, by, uh, by all aspects, and preparing a scene here, the sequel, the, the, you have a sequel that looks like a better game, um, which is sometimes the case. You know, they're able to take what worked in the first game and improve upon it. So, what I find, what I find really strange, like the fact that this game got a worldwide release. I mean, 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 I, 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 mean, I, I, I can understand it coming out in Europe because several European countries use the M1A1, and European countries did fight in the Gulf War. But Japan, this game came out. <laughs> I mean, they like they like American stuff too. Yeah, I suppose. But I they want to be American and, uh, and be in American tanks and play American boys. That's my favorite <laughs> game. Which one? <laughs> American boys. I think I've heard of that one. <laughs> I just made it up. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so because the game was very popular, uh, popular, it's pretty cheap to get these days, like on eBay. Uh, 150 copies, sorry, 100, 130 copies of the game were currently, were currently listed when I looked several days ago. 51 copies I recently sold. Uh, card only, yeah, these prices include shipping. Uh, prices, prices of this game ranging from $4.50 to $13.00. Thirteen dollars and twenty-five cents. Mm. So, yeah, not that bad. A uh, CIB, uh, 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 CIB is very cheap. Uh, you, uh, a CIB is very cheap. Also, thirteen dollars to fourteen dollars, fourteen dollars fifty cents. That's not too bad. No. No. Yeah. And the game complete also came with a poster, which is very nice looking. Yay! I like posters. I I used to love getting posters in games back then. Oh man! Like I think like all the Master System games, if you get one. Like actually complete a box. They all come with like those posters. It was like um, yeah, a lot of th- it was like the Atari stuff, kind of. 
Yeah, a lot of the NES Super NES games that came with posters too. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah, sweet. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 the Kawhi games all had posters. Uh, uh, Actraiser had a nice one. Like I remember Actraiser like having one. Um, uh, there were several other games that came with one too. Apocalypse came with one actually, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I only got the cart, so. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Four fifty. Uh, yeah, it's worth it. I think. Um, as long as it's you know. not four hundred and fifty. No. <laughs> Uh, a sealed copy of what existed probably go for a good price, but but then of course probably all sealed games go for like a pretty good price. No, but you know you know like I said, this game because this game was so popular because this game was so popular like so cheap. Uh, yeah, uh, um, because this game is so popular, it is so cheap. Sorry, let me try that again. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. So yeah, but uh, yeah, so it was fun. So yeah, it was fun going about this game after all these years. Um, holds up pretty well, I think, for the most part. It's not quite as fun now as it was back then, I think. But then that could be said for a lot of o- uh, older games. So I'm curious to check out the yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm also curious. I'm also curious. I'm also curious. Like curious, curious, curious. Check out the you know, check out the GBA versions. Um, um, just like see like how, you know see how that one like holds up. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. I don't know. I, it's not like I have a podcast pushing me to to play GBA games, so I don't have to worry no, about that. No, there is no there is there, yeah, there's no gameway podcast out there. Unfortunately, there should be one. No, Greg, I'm not doing another podcast. <laughs> I can hear you winking at me. No, I'm not winking at you. I'm winking at everybody else out there. <laughs> <laughs> but that but, yeah, that's also a huge library too. Oh, so. dude, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of RPGs on there, too. Mm. A lot of good RPGs. Yeah, and there's also the Pokemon games. Yep. <laughs> Pokemon yeah, Pokemon pretty much saved the Game Boy. Did it? Yeah, yeah, the Game Boy... Yeah, Nintendo... Nintendo Nintendo really... Nintendo really dragged their feet in releasing a cover version of the system, man. Like, you know, uh, they... Uh, because because you know Nintendo, they don't want to release release anything for technology until it actually gets to the point where it's actually like cheap and affordable, and then they can produce it in mass and mass and mass level taking a loss on it. So yeah, um, yeah. So what they do with the Switch yeah, so like, and the Switch is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, but yeah, you know, but yeah, you know, they, they, but yeah, they, but yeah, they did things. They did things to kind of hurt the hurt the switch a little bit to keep the cost down, um, such as like limiting the you know limiting the amount of memory the memory, memory the system has and what like and whatnot. So, which I understand. So I was just thinking, if there was a if there was a Game Boy podcast, would it be called the Game Boy by Game Boy podcast? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> All right, I'll uh, I'll escort myself out. Ah. <laughs> uh. So yeah, that's a um, that's 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 your about take nutshell. Uh, you have you have any final thoughts about the game, George? Uh, it's interesting, and uh, I'm saddened to to know that Gary Kitchen is not a chef who likes tanks. No, <laughs> uh, nope, um, well, it makes you feel better. Uh, one of those two, one one of the, uh, um, I did mention that Gary Kitchen did some like did some Atari Center games. Um, uh. One of them, one of the game he made for Activision was a game called Pressure Cooker. Yes, I know that game. Very, yeah, like it's a very, yeah, yeah, very, very unique game. You actually, you, you actually play, you, so you actually play a short order cook in that game. 
Uh, we have like you like make hamburgers as fast as uh, make 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 hamburgers to your customer specifications as fast as possible. So are you saying Keisha it's did... Gary Kitchen's pressure cooker? Could be. Yep. <laughs> so you can imagine like. Yes, yeah, so you can imagine that you're playing as kitchen in that game if you want to, I suppose. I'm, I'm imagining <laughs> that. Uh, I'm imagining a world where that game was one of the most popular games, and they just released uh, an actual pressure cooker just called Gary Kitchen's uh, Pressure Cooker. <laughs> and it's just a popular uh, model, and, and people actually look on eBay to buy them for cheap because they're, <laughs> they're not made anymore, but they're the best pressure cooker in the world. Yeah, pressure cookers are very fun games. Highly underrated. Uh, also, pressure that cookers are a nice thing to have. Pressure yes, cooking your, your meat. It's 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 tasty. The, the music the music in that game also like is very catchy. You know, what? I think I just got the title pressure cooker. You're under pressure and you're a cooker. I just got exactly. it. I just got it. <laughs> That's not even a uh, joke. I just got it now. <laughs> Uh, Keystone Capers is also like one of my favorite games like of all time on that system. Uh, that's a fun game. Yeah, but you're not cooking things, <laughs> and you're not Gary uh. Kitchen. <laughs> Come on, you're tell uh. you're telling me Gary Kitchen it wouldn't sound like a person who would be on TV cooking stuff. Hi, Could I'm be. Gary <laughs> Kitchen. Today we're gonna cook a turkey. Uh. No. <laughs> I, should this be in the podcast? Should this just be B-roll? What is this? Well, uh, he is still doing gaming, uh, you know, gaming conventions. Uh, you could always go to one like, and ask him. <laughs> ask him why he isn't a chef. Just be the weirdest thing ever. Uh, uh, yeah, we were saying. Yeah, we were saying. We were saying before the podcast that he's actually at the midway. Uh, sorry, midway. Yeah, I'll be okay. Uh, the the, the who? Midwest. <laughs> Midwest, what I'm trying to say, Midwest Gaming Convention this weekend. Oh, the Midway uh, Gaming Convention. Yeah, we're all celebrating how Midway's gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, at least Midway Games is still being published by various companies, so. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, They're not gone forever. We... They're still here in spirit. Yep. Yeah, yep. As long as our games, uh, yep. Like, as long as our games are still, being, are, are still being released, they're still around, so. Anyway, I think we've covered this pretty much as much as we can here. Uh, as always, we, as always, we appreciate your support and your support of the podcast very, very much. Uh, we're a proud member of both the Retro Junkies Throwback Network. We can find out a bunch of their retro-themed uh, podcasts, both gaming and non-gaming related. If you have any questions, feedbacks, comments, etc., you can contact us on the Facebook page, or you can also email me directly if you want to at the Super NES Podcast at the SNES Podcast at Yahoo.com. Uh, George, uh, what so what game what, what game did you pick for us to set a cover next? Sunset Riders. Yes, a great game. I'm surprised we haven't got to cover that one yet. Yeah, uh, I was surprised too when I looked through the the back catalog of this podcast. Uh, great arcade game by Konami. Uh, ported like ported very well to the system. I thought. We'll see. Yep. So. uh... Hey, anyway, George. So, uh, where can we find you at? If somebody is so inclined. Oh boy! Well, I do a podcast where we cover Super Nintendo games. Um, that one's called the <laughs> SNES Podcast. Don't, don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, yeah, we cover uh, Super Nintendo games there. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. That's at Mister Chief. That's at M I S T U R C H E E F. 
But uh, if you're listening, if you want to listen to some more podcast gold, as I'm sure this episode was, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg and I also do uh, PlayStation Power, a PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation Portable podcast. Uh, we cover those games and have fun, and sometimes we say bad things, so don't have kitties nearby. <laughs> that's that's my way of saying it's not family friendly but anyway yeah. um i also do master system masterpieces which greg will be on soon enough uh actually next yep, episode eventually. which is yeah yep. soon enough um <laughs> and uh yeah we're gonna cover a fun game there too um that's that's about it for me okay sounds good uh well uh let me just let me just let me finish this just finish the podcast uh, podcast like a final thought. Um, I do appreciate very much I, 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 I appreciate very much the dedication that the game has the, the, the beginning the beginning beginning scenes how uh, they how they dedicate the game to the men and women who actually like fought the fought like the Gulf War because oh yeah I forgot about that yeah because they uh because uh, fighting the war in a game is fun fighting in real life is not no so, it's not. Uh, so, uh, so, so, uh, so support the veterans. And thank you. And everybody out there who served, thank you for your service. Thank you for the people serving now, especially what's going yeah. on. Yes, that's, yep. Yeah, uh, that's also rough. very true. That's so, rough. So, thank you again for, uh, everybody out there for your support. And we'll catch you again next time. See ya. Take care. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Mm-hmm.